It's a great pleasure to me to get back. I really don't feel that I'm prepared for this morning's service. Uh, I was taught when I was in college never to say that, but really I mean it. Because I had a, quite a strenuous campaign out in Mansfield, Ohio. We never had such bad weather in my life. I've never seen anything like it. Blizzards, schools closed, and uh, you could hardly get over the streets. And every time it looked like it get better, it get worse again. Sort of like uh, uh, world conditions. Look a little better, then look worse. So uh, we uh, managed to get through and didn't miss a service. But it was a very strenuous and very hard campaign, but a wonderful campaign. So many marvelous conversions. Some very remarkable cases. I told over the radio this morning about a young man uh, from Vienna who was uh, converted in the meeting. He had suffered uh, horrors of a camp overseas and trouble. And he and his brother in this country, and his mother and father still over there, and he is supporting them. But he was saved in the meeting. He wants to go as a missionary. So he wants to come here to school, maybe the second semester, if possible, if not next year. We had many very wonderful conversions. The Lord was very gracious to us. But I'm so glad to be back here at this uh, World Outlook uh, conference we're having. And uh, I want to stay in character this morning as I speak at this chapel hour. So I'm going to talk to you today not on how men look at this world, uh, not what some speaker that may come to this platform, how he may look at the world. I'm going to, if, if I can, tell you how I think God looks at this world. Now, I think God has a better view of the world than anybody else. That's my opinion. I imagine he has. He has a higher seat from which to look. He can see things better. And I read in this Bible that tells us what God thinks of the world and how God sees the world. I read in this Bible the eyes of the Lord go to and fro through all the earth. He's sitting where he can see. So many of our people see things from the standpoint of their own government. Some people see things as standpoint of themselves. You've got people in America that think of our citizenship in this country. It's an opportunity to get what they can personally. Some people talk of our liberties, meaning that they want the liberty to do what they please, regardless of other people. And some people just look at things from a little viewpoint, narrow viewpoint. But God on the throne of the universe sees everything. He doesn't miss anything. There isn't a country in the world he doesn't see. There isn't a spot on earth he doesn't see. There isn't an individual he doesn't see. There isn't a thought that walks across the brain of any man on earth, but he sees it. So I'm going to talk about God's viewpoint. How does God look at the thing? That's the idea I'd like to get over to you this morning. You know, the other day I sat down in my room up in Mansfield, Ohio, and, and read again the first chapters of Genesis. You know, you never get tired of reading them over and over again, those wonderful things that we are told there. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And I observed as it went down through there that God kept saying, it's good. It's good. It's a nice world. Sun's all right. Moon's all right. Uh, stars all right. Flowers are all right. The sea's all right. The fish are all right. God kept saying, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. That's the way God looked at it. God looked at the flowers and said, they're good. And the fish and said, they're good. And the sea and said, it's good. The, God said, it's good. Everything's wonderful. That's the way God looked at it. Then I read on where after a while God planted the garden and he made a man first. When he made this man, God looked down at the man and said, now what will be good for him? Isn't that like God? Uh, God that pronounced all creation good looked around and said, now I want to make man good. I want to do something good for him. Do you ever stop to think about the God on the throne of this universe trying to do something for man? Think of it. Think of God. 
that made all things, looking down from heaven to earth on a man, he made, and said, now I won't do something for him. God said, I'm going to fix him a garden in which he can live, joy himself. I want him to have something to eat. God's interested in folks having something to eat. God doesn't want people to be hungry. God's no friend of what we call poverty and want and misery and wretchedness in this world. So God said, I'm going to give him something to eat. Now, just go ahead and eat what you want. Plenty of food for you. No scarcity. Uh, everything's in the pantry you need. Go to eat it. Plenty of food to eat. And he started in. All right. Then one day God said, I think the man's a little lonely. I like them to have company. God wants a man to have company. I'm going to give him a wife. You know, it's a wonderful thing when God gives a man a wife. You know, some people get one that God didn't give them. They pick them themselves, contrary to the will of God. So God said, I want Adam to have somebody to live with him. Somebody to talk back to him, literally. You know, the animals couldn't talk back to him. So he gave him a woman, gifted in that line. Talk back to him. He might call a dog, and the dog might wag his tail and say, I'm glad to be here. But the animals couldn't talk back. So God said, I want to have a woman, somebody to talk to him, a companion, to walk with him around the garden and look at the flowers. And what a wonderful time they had together. And then I thought about how good God would be. Wonderfully kind, wonderfully good. Give him a garden. Give him a world. He said it was a good world. It's a good world, he said. Listen, when God pronounced it good, it was good. And now here he is in the mess. One day he sinned. Man messed it up. Listen, you can't blame God Almighty for any chaos in the world. You can't blame God Almighty for any war, a blood, a tragedy, a trouble. All the trouble in the world man made. And the trouble with man is he won't admit he made it. He's always pushing the responsibility and the blame off on somebody else. Man made. He wrecked his garden. He destroyed his paradise. He made thorns grow on roses. He's responsible for everything that's wrong. Not God. Listen, God made man and gave a man a free will. Now notice this a minute. Man wouldn't have been a perfect man if he hadn't had a free will. If Adam couldn't have made the choice, he wouldn't have been a perfect man. To be a perfect man means to have a free will. A man without a free will isn't a perfect man. So God made him a perfect man, gave him a free will. And I speak reverently, when God made a perfect man and gave him a free will, God took chances on that man going astray. Because God couldn't make a perfect man without giving him a free will. So they messed the thing up. But God said, I still ministered in man. He's ruined his garden. He's disobeyed me. I put him under law. He wouldn't keep it. Listen, you know, law's good for man. In a perfect world, a perfect guard, a perfect setup, God Almighty had a code of laws. God said, now go around and eat what you please, but don't touch that tree over yonder. Listen, you talk about man turning man loose to live as he pleases, and you'll find out what kind of world you have. So God put him under law, but he broke it, went out. But out of the garden, God said, well, I still interested in him. Going to give him a family. Going to let him have some children. 
I'm going to give him an Eva family. That's good of God. There's no day as wonderful as a day when a mother takes her own little baby in her own arms. I've seen mothers in many lands, white ones and black ones, rich ones, poor ones, educated and uneducated. Whenever you see a woman hold a baby in her arms, she has the same light in her eye that every other woman on earth ever has had ever held a baby. God said, I'm going to give him a family. One day a little baby was born. The first baby that ever cooed and cried and smiled became a murderer. His name was Cain. Went out to kill his own brother. Listen, the first child of the first man that God made who was perfect and then became imperfect became a murderer. Man's to blame for everything. God isn't to blame. Conditions are not to blame. Men make conditions. Conditions don't make man. You know, men are always thinking about conditions. They don't stop to think they made all of them. They're to blame for them. I said over the radio this morning something very interesting I read in the paper the other day about this man down in Mississippi. What's his name? Uh, wrote, going over a Nobel Prize. Uh, that literary countryman down there. Anyhow, whatever his name is, you read it. Yeah. All right, they'll tell you later. <laughs> all right. This fellow said in New York in an interview that went out all the country, one of the most striking things I've heard in a long time. He said, everybody I see says, when are they going to drop a bum on us? He said, why don't somebody say, when are we going to start doing right? Why doesn't somebody say, uh, when are we going to stand for principle? Listen, a man who stands for principle doesn't think of his own scheme. The man who spends his time just trying to save his skin, never saved his skin. Sooner or later, he loses his skin. The man that stands for principle, that's one thing the matter with our own country. One thing the matter with America. We've gotten away from the old-time fundamental principles that made us. They're running cheap politics in this country. What's the matter with America? So the first baby born was a murderer. Trouble came. And they began to build a civilization. Now, God starred them right. And God did everything he could good for man. Gave him a garden, food, home, wife, babies, family. Gave her health to work for a living. That man starred out. Built his civilization. And what a mess it was. But you know, there's always been somebody that stood for the right. Enoch walked with God. Back then, those days, Enoch kept walking with God. Noah walked with God, kept the faith, never wavered. Noah found favor with God. That's what the Bible says, favor with God. Now, notice, the world didn't find favor. The world got in such a fix that God Almighty couldn't pat it on the back. God couldn't say good boy anymore. And God didn't say much about the earth being good. God Almighty said, but yonder's a good man. And no, God showed him favor and protected him and his family. And God's going to protect good men through all the cataclysms and curses and judgments that come on this world. Good men may suffer with others and all that, but there's protecting grace even around the sick bed of suffering saints. 
So we go on over there and they'd file. You remember the trouble? Out of the flood? Out of the ark? People got to multiply. Civilization got to grow again. God comes along and looks down on the earth and still bad. And one time men went out there and said, we're going to crowd God Almighty off the stage. We don't need God. We can get along without him. We'll run the business. That's like they're doing the United Nations. No prayer. Down the table to fix the world. It's in the worst fix the world ever has been in. And nobody there to pray. Nobody prayed. Didn't they hate the World War One? World War I over there, Wilson was over there, he's a good man, and Lloyd George and others. But Jesus didn't have a seat at the table. United Nations representatives sitting around the table now saying, we're going to fix that. We're going to fix it. So they gathered out there and said, tell you what let's do, let's us build us a town, all of us be one. Build a town. Build a city. Get out of danger. Won't have any more war. Won't have any more flood. Won't have any more trouble. We'll build a tower that'll be so high above the ordinary bloody battlefields of the world and the chaos of the world. Let us do it. Let us do it. Let us build us. <laughs> us build us. God Almighty said, you're not going to shove me around like that. You can't do that to me. God Almighty said, I'll come down and break up that building. I'll confuse their tongues and scatter them. And over and over again, when man's failed, God Almighty gives him a new start. One day he said to Abraham, he said, Yonder's a good man. I, I know him. He's got something to him. He'll command his children after him. He's the kind of a man that can start a race. And I'll choose him and I'll build a nation that will bless the world. God said, Abraham, I'm, I'm talking to you. And over and over and over and over again, God has given man a new start. And every time he gets a new start, he crowds God Almighty off the stage and shoves him into a background and makes another man. War, and it's all where they sit around tables, and uh, this one grabs that, and that one grabs that, and they grab and grab to the make a mess. Now, God's up on the throne today, looking on this world. There isn't a part of it he doesn't see. He sees Korea. He sees old women with little babies on their back, running north for a while, and then running back down south. He hears little children cry and mothers scream with agony. Sees the stoic look in the faces of those struggling people there in the midst of the shock and shell of awful battle. He sees those Chinese people. He sees Russia. He sees all the countries of the world. He's looking down on them. Up yonder where he has a good view. He knows who's to blame for every bit of the trouble in the world. Now listen. Everybody on earth may not be to blame for the trouble in the world, but somebody's to blame every bit of it, not God Almighty. You're not going to slander my God like that. No many women, boys and girls, 
When I think about God, the strange thing to me is that he's put up with us at all. If man can blow up a town with an atom, don't you think God would have an easy time if he was to throw a thunderbolt down on this earth? I'm not surprised there's been trouble. The most marvelous thing to me in the world is the long-suffering of God. But I read in the Bible, for God so loved the world. The world with paradise lost. The world that he had to destroy. The world that crowded him off the stage. The world that went back on him. The world that sinned against him and tried to build a civilization without God. God so loved it. God looks down and said, it's a bad world. And when Jesus Christ was here, he looked at it. He said, the whole world lies in the arms of the wicked one. Whole world. The devil's got his arms around civilization. He rocks Russia to sleep at night. He's hugging China. He's got his arms around the British Empire. Oh, when he gets his arms around in that arm that he holds around the world, there are a few saints that look up from the devil's arms in God, but the devil holds his arms around civilization. The whole cosmos, the whole system, the whole wide world is in the arms of the wicked. That's what the Bible says. Here's your world. It's a world that crucified Jesus Christ. It's a world that nailed him to a cross. But God loves it. Listen, if the world had turned to God now, God would save it right now. If America would turn to God like she ought to turn to God Almighty, she'd be invincible. She wouldn't have to be appeasing everybody. If Great Britain had been true to God Almighty, she could have held her hands on that throttle and have driven her empire along roads of victory. And she's headed to defeat if she doesn't get back to her God. If we don't get back to God Almighty, we're gone. Now, I'm speaking as an American preacher. I'm talking to some evangelists who've been up and down this country for many years. I've seen the tide come in, the tide go out. I've heard men cry out for God, and I've seen God deliver them. There isn't any doubt in my mind that in World War I, God heard the prayers of the people in America. This nation prayed. For a little while in America, there was more prayer in this nation than possibly any nation ever had for a little period. They prayed in England, too. But as soon as it was all over with, we said, all right, God, we get along without you now. We're through. And World War II came. After that World War over, the modernists took it over and tried to build their ecclesiastical modernistic system. They shoved Jesus Christ and his deity around. Then World War II came. We didn't pray much. Terrible war. And World War II got over, and we went as decent as we World War I. Out in California, they met around the table. Nobody out there said, let us pray. Just sat down around the table. We're going to fix it there. 
We'll take this, you take that, we'll take this, you take that, we'll all divide up, we'll fix it. We'll organize a nation, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it! We'll build us a town, a city! We'll do it. We'll have a united nation without God! Put down rebellion in Korea. We'll fix it. And we did. We did. And we meant well. There wasn't anything wrong with the motive of the folks to build the Tower of Babel. Nothing wrong building a tower. Nothing wrong building a city. Nothing wrong getting together. But if you don't invite God Almighty, you don't have the best company there. Nothing wrong in sitting around a table with the United Nations. That's all right. But if you don't ask God to come there, you're in a bad fix. Because nobody would be have enough sense to run it but God Almighty. And that's just exactly what's the matter with it. It's the reason the homes are being broken up in America. They don't ask God to run it. They read some book on happy marriages. It's the reason the church loses its power. They set up a program with God doesn't have the proper place. That's the reason education institutions supposed to be Christians go on the rock. And Bob Jones University would go on the rocks and not carry out the purpose of God Almighty if it ever shows God Almighty right. I know what's the matter of the world. The divinely appointed and divinely anointed king's been rejected. Came under his own, his own received him not. The only two shoulders that can carry the governments of the world, they're the shoulders of Jesus Christ. There's no man with shoulders strong enough to carry it. He may temporarily walk down a road with a government on his shoulders and it may look pretty good, but he gets out of wind and fades. The same today, yesterday, and forever one. He's the hope. I think God's looking down on us today. Longing to put his arms around the world. Calling the world back to himself. He's not mad with us. He pities us. Like a mother would pity a little child that hasn't got enough sense to stay near her but wanders away into the forest and gets lost. Like a mother pities a little child Walks out on the pier and falls in the water because there's no hand to protect the child. But God Almighty holds this universe together. And when he's pushed to one side, there's discord and war and trouble. And it takes war and trouble and blood sometimes to make men think of God. 
God's looking down on this school today. Looking down on the White House in Washington. He's looking down on Jerusalem. His city. He's looking down on all the capitals of the world. He's looking down at the lost men and women of the world like sheep not having a shepherd. Swept off their feet by every kind of false propaganda. By the propaganda put out by communists that this nation uh, is imperialistic in its motive. I want to say one word for our nation. With all of our sins, we've got plenty of them too. All our selfish, and we've been plenty selfish. But this nation has been pretty square in its attitude towards other nations. When China's been hungry, we fed her. When earthquakes came to Tokyo, we sent them money. This nation's been a charitably, kindly disposed nation. And yet communism says we, are, uh, we, we have imperialistic motives. You know what it means? Stir up the people. Poor, blind men. Believe it. Every voice except the voice of God the world hears. God looks down with pity and compassionate eyes, but he said, I can't help it. I'm not going to do wrong. They do have war. It'll be wrong to let man go on without me. I'm the head of the universe. And God's ready to save us. If the nations of this world would repent, we could at least hold off the cataclysm. But if we don't repent, there's no escape. We can get back to God to go on to blood and the choice is up to the world. You can't treat God like we're treating him and get away with it. Let's us here at Bob Jones University be true to God. Let's never waver, but let's be faithful to him. Let's bow our heads now and ask him to help us. Our Heavenly Father, we look to thee for help. We need thee so much. Help us here in Bob Jones University to look up to God for help. And give us a world outlook and understanding of the approach of men and the peculiar slant of nations to their problems. But help us to keep on looking up. Help us to be faithful and true to Almighty God, never wavering. We know it, our hope is in God. We have no other hope. We know that Washington can't save us and no United Nations can save us. Nobody but God can save us. We confess our sins and shortcomings and beg for forgiving mercy today. And pray to be kept true to God until that blessed day. When the knowledge of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. That blessed day when the Lord Jesus Christ shall reign in righteousness. And the governments of the world shall be on his shoulders. Keep us here at Bob Jones University faithful to him. We pray in the ever wonderful name of the blessed Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.